Hello, I'm Chris. This is Nuclear Hangover. Today, we're talking about Demon Slayer Season 1, Episode 3 and 4. These two episodes have a lot more going on than the first two. We hear a lot more info, we get a lot more backdrop about the world, and uh, I'm pretty excited to talk about it. So let's roll the intro. Nuclear Hangover 2022, Dogwater Boys. Let's go. Episode 3, Sabito and Makomo. This episode has a lot going on. It opens up with an info dump further explaining demons and demon slayers, which goes a little something like this. The Demon Slayer Clan consists of several hundred members and is not affiliated with the government in any way. They are based on governmental evil. After that, we're back with Tanjiro and Urokodaki, where we learn the process of becoming a demon cop. First, you have to be instructed by a trainer, of which Yuro is but one of many. Secondly, if your trainer deems you worthy, you are sent to a final selection where you must survive to become a full-fledged member. Tanjiro is getting well underway with that. As a side note here, evidently Nezuko is in some kind of demon coma. Tanjiro is doing a lot of journaling in this episode, with entries addressed to her. Whether that's for when she wakes up, or more likely, uh, if he manages to make her human again. Tanny Boy is just getting straight up dominated, Manuel Ferreira style, by Uro in the training. The traps on the mountain obstacle course are getting deadlier. The lessons are getting more abstract. The subject matter more difficult to master. We're introduced to something called Total Concentration Breathing, TM, which is explained with a bunch of mumbo-jumbo, but it's essentially Cow Ken from Dragon Ball. Evidently, Urokodaki has a technique called water breathing, and there's like different forms of it, but we don't really get into that in this episode. I guess they're going to spoon-feed us that one. After six months of this intense training, Urokodaki leads Tanjiro to a secluded glen, in the middle of which is a large boulder. Uro informs his apprentice that in order to be sent to final selection, Tanjiro will have to slice this Volkswagen-sized stone in half with his sword. But after one attempt, Tanjiro realizes that he doesn't have what it takes. 
At least not yet. Enter Sabito and Makomo, two dreamlike maxed and vaxed mysterious siblings that emerge from nowhere to dispense valuable info. Sabito shows up first, spars with Tanjiro, and promptly beats the fuck out of his shit. All the while, he derides and belittles Tanjiro's failure to master anything that Uro-kun has taught him. After getting his shit pushed in by Sabito, Tanner is laying in this forested glen beset by ennui when a little shoddy, Makomo, shows up to give him some much-needed words of encouragement. While Sabito just beat him and spit in his eye, Makomo lays out a game plan to get him up to speed. Flash forward six more months of taking uh, Makomo's feedback into account, Tanjiro is ready. He squares up with Sabito again, and this time gets the upper hand almost immediately, slicing his opponent's mask right in half. Suddenly, the siblings disappear, seemingly pleased, leaving T-Boy befuddled when he realizes that maybe the boulder was the fox mask he was trying to slice the whole time. Because that's what happened. The siblings were gone, and the boulder was cleft in twain. Next thing I knew, boulder's gone. This episode definitely had a lot more moving parts than we're used to. And not only that, the storytelling is substantially improved. We have a really good flow of, uh, you know, the feeling of time passing, of him struggling at first with some of the traps on the mountains and the obstacles there, and then by the end, him overcoming them with ease. Ultimately, his goal in this episode is to, uh, you know, cleave the boulder in half and uh, make Uro proud to get selected to go to final selection. Taking place over an entire year, we definitely get the feeling that Tanjiro is progressing in his journey. Not just his increasingly mature and more masculine demeanor, but his appearance as well. His hair is wild and long by the time he defeats Sabito. Nezuko is a no-show, however. She's just lounging around while Tanjiro's over here becoming a man. I did have this passing thought. Is the ball gag really necessary when she's in her demon coma? I guess so. What if she wakes up? I guess she could try to eat somebody. There's a lot of striking shots here, just in terms of the animation. And I, I don't know if cinematography is the right word in an anime, but the cinematography is quite good. There's one of Tanjiro deflecting knives from the mountain booby traps with his sword. And there's many shots of the, uh, the glen with the actual boulder in it that are gorgeous uh they have like a lot of specular lighting am i using that right i don't actually know but the lighting is very cool it radiates kind of like a mysterious aura to it the entire vibe of the the two siblings sabito and makomo is really interesting dreamlike and mysterious they seem detached they seem Almost like a deus ex machina, I guess. They kind of seem to go there. Uh, when, when all else has failed for Tanjiro, these characters emerge to get him to the next level, which is interesting. Um, on, on a closing note on this episode, I gotta say that I am ready for some real demon hunting content. I know we're only on episode three, but I'm looking for some hardcore action. 
Nothing sexual. Nothing sexual. So let's hit break real quick. When we get back, we're going to jump right into episode four, the final selection. Okay, episode four, final selection. This episode starts off with a little bit of a revelation by our hero Tangerine that what allowed him to beat Sabito was a mysterious occurrence. His fifth sense let him see a magical string that somehow revealed to him the optimal opening blow. If he follows the string, guaranteed winning. Then Urokodaki shows up, and guess what? We get another revelation, Tavarish. Ol' Uro had no intention of sending Tanjiro to final selection, which is why he had given T the seemingly impossible task of cutting the large boulder. Evidently, a bunch of youngsters that Uro has trained have met their demise during the trial. Foreshadowing. However, Tanjiro succeeds. Uro is proud, a feast is had, and the boy gets ready to head off to the final selection. One thing, though. Nezuko is still in her coma. We don't know what's up with her, nor do we even get a prognosis. Urokodaki says, Oh, don't worry, little bud. You go do your uh, super cool final selection. I'll just watch this prime, fertile teenage girl in a coma while you're out. Don't mind me. I'm just saying, bro. Don't leave your hot, unconscious sister alone with an old, loner, mountain pervert, okay? And you know he's a pervert. I mean, come on, look at that fucking dick mask and tell me this guy doesn't work for kink.com. How can you leave Nezuko alone with this guy? You know that as soon as Tanjiro rounds the bend in the road, that guy's lighting candles and shoving that thing up her pussy. Anyway, as Tanjiro nears the training area of Fuji Kasane Mountain, he enters under bows of gorgeous, glowing purple wisteria flowers, which we find out ward off demons. This thick hedge has been installed by the Demon Slayer Corps to keep the demons off the training area stuck on the mountain. The trial begins. We see a few dozen other prospects enter with our hero, but it isn't long before it's our boy versus two demons. Two demons that he dispatches quickly, a surprise even to himself. He doesn't have long to celebrate, though, before he encounters a humongous, deformed, hideous man-eater feasting on another one of the trainees and chasing another one. Tanjiro engages. Pow! Wham! Whoosh! Tanjiro uses a water-breathing move, which we talked about in the last episode, to cut off some of the freak's arms and save one of his fellow demon cop wannabes. The plot is about to thicken, okay, so get ready. Turns out, this big fat demon guy was captured 47 years ago by none other than Urokodaki himself. And ever since, he's dedicated his life to the endless, tireless goal of eating all of Uro's students he sends to final selection. The demon tells a story of two such children who he had killed that matched the description of Sabito and Makomo. Turns out they were dead the whole time. Coming is not much of a shock to me, I guess. But uh, these mysterious youngsters that showed up in their deus ex machina kind of way in the last episode, you know, there was a little, uh, 
There, there was a little something going on with them. As a matter of fact, during the entire fight with the big demon, we keep cutting back to the young dead kids who are giving us the Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth breakdown of the fight. Their prediction? A big fat L for Tanjiro. But TBH, it's not happening. Tanjiro activates total concentration breathing TM and uses his fifth sense to locate the string. <laughs> the, uh, the string that lets him see the upcoming slash or whatever, and uh, he goes in for the big fat kill. And he totally chops the demon's head off. But then again, the episode ends right there, so it could totally grow back or something. I guess we'll find out next week. So, let's get into my final thoughts on this episode here. Number one. A bitter irony. The warding mass that Urokodaki had been carving for his trainees is what guaranteed their deaths at the hand of the large demon in the final selection. So I didn't get into this, but when... Tanjiro leaves for final selection. Uh, Urokodaki gives him this fox mask. And he tells him that he's put a spell on it to protect him from demons. I think he says protect him from harm. But you get the idea. Now, the sad tale of his apprentices before Tanjiro is that those masks, which allegedly had been to protect them, are what guaranteed their death at the hands of this uh, many-armed freakazoid. And that's fairly poignant and sad. Okay, the other thing, demons. Demons are about as strong as the number of humans they've eaten. And (laughs) it's something that Uro says earlier on in the episode. And I always just kind of find these apple-to-oranges comparisons of units to be... Uh, kind of asinine. It's like saying, that guitar is as expensive as Doja Cat's ass is fat. Okay. Well, I mean, you can't uh, compare uh, dollars to centimeters, necessarily. And in this way, saying that demons are about as strong as the number of humans they've eaten, you know, it gets the point across. But still, it's a little clumsy. Um, the third and final thing is Demon Slayer Sneak Peek. What are the odds that some of these Demon Slayer cadets we see in the episode will become integral to the plot of the series? I already know the orange one will because he's in the credits and shit, but how about the guy with the ugly face? What's wrong with your face? Um, and then they also have the classic case of where a bunch of the cadets are very generic looking, and then like two or three or four of them look like they've been designed so you kind of have the, the feeling that we're going to be seeing them again. But uh, anywho, that's going to bring us right to the end. Uh, these two episodes were a big step up in quality, I feel like. The animation was spectacular. The fight in episode four was awesome. That was awesome. The subject matter got darker and more like hauntingly beautiful. The story of the two dead kids is really cool but sad. And uh, it really makes me excited to see where we're going from here. So I will see you next week when we talk about episode five and six. And uh, one last thing, guys. If you're listening to the pod, just do me a big favor. Go to NuclearHangover.com. Follow the socials. The merch that's dropping ASAFP is going to absolutely diddle your belittle, okay? It's going to be cool. Other than that, I hope you have a real good time. I hope World War III doesn't break out here. And, uh, 
Yeah, see you soon.